Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. Hey, good morning, Dr. Northrup. Good morning, Dr. Dyer. Well, before we get started, first of all, I want to thank you. Uh, You sent my wife some of that, some product. What is it called? Amada. Me, Amada, yeah, she just in Thai, yes, <laughs> yeah, and she just was thrilled with it. And then uh, last week, I got a package from you uh, with uh, something called Thor. Uh, yes, um, I want you to try uh, that out for me, please. That well, uh, I already did. Oh, and I just did? wanted to tell you, I was trying to figure out why in the world would you name it Thor? You know, <laughs> so I took it and I took a couple of the pills, one at night and then the next morning, and then. Uh, I was talking to my sweetheart, and we went to bed that night, and uh, God, it was a wonderful night, and she woke up the next morning, and she said, Wayne, she said, I'm so Thor, I'm so (laughs) Thor. I I said, now I know, (laughs) now I know why she named it Thor, I got it. Because she was visited by a god, that's why. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you'd get a kick out of that, I was telling that to Reed, I said, I told Reed, I know why she named it Thor, you know, and so she said, he said, make sure you tell her that when you start the show tomorrow. <laughs> so. <laughs> so everyone needs to know that, that stuff's available uh, now. You know, I really, I've given a tell lot of Tell us a little bit about that before we get into the book. Tell yeah. us about that. Okay. I, um, for a long time now, I have been looking for safe, natural alternatives that really help people with their life force, both male and female. And as you probably know, I've been a long proponent of the idea that our, our life force, our sex drive, does not need to wane after the age of 50. It just doesn't. But we, because of cultural portals of belief, we actually believe that these functions are supposed to go away. They don't. They become uh, far more spiritual, actually, far more satisfying, which is why the data shows that it's women in their 60s and 70s having the best sex of their lives because they see it as a spiritual connection. And it begins with the connection with yourself. And, of course, as a gynecologist, I also see the physical stuff that tends to happen with people, and so we often need herbal or other support. Uh, And so that's why I started this company, Amada, and started to get together the right kind of herbs from the right sources, harvested at the right time, and all put together in a pharmaceutical-grade facility so that what I say is in the bottle, what, the, what it says on the label is in the bottle, and so you can trust it. There's nothing strange being added. Mm. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, well, it's a tricky business. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is. But I was just, my, because my wife did it, and um, you sent her some, and she, uh, she's she been taking it on a couple of my daughters as well, and she wrote a quite, quite a glowing endorsement of it. She was just very, very touched by it and uses it. She's a you know, postmenopausal woman who's uh, very, very happy with uh, with what you're taking. And this, this Thor thing, I, I decided, well, if, if you if you endorse it, it's got to be good. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on my way. I'm in well, my third thank day. Well, of... thank you. Thank you for that glowing endorsement. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it really does help with male, uh, with male sexual health, male urinary health, and so on. Yeah. But in a, in a safe way. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. that's, uh, that's, that's a huge area because for me it's like it's uh, two or three times uh, every single night getting up in the middle of the night, and so I've been doing that for about 20 years, so I'm, I'm used to it. But, uh, well, I'm hoping I'm that, uh, that you can report that uh, that isn't happening as much, you know, so I'm, let me know I'm after about a month. Report that. Yeah, I certainly will. Okay. Let's talk about this wonderful book. Who is that on the cover? Why, that's a goddess from Maine. She's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's my alter ego. When I'm not stacking wood, you know, I, I look like her. <laughs> I was uh, I was reading through the book, and I came across the, a couple of passages. I opened it up, and one one place in there, you had uh, said something about there was a time in your life as a as a doctor, as a medical doctor, who had uh, who, who's uh, you used the word frumpy. You had said you had just sort of accepted yourself as sort of a frumpy woman who was, uh, you know, not really a goddess, was not really into. Uh, you know, your own sexuality and, and your own beauty and your own appreciation of life and so on. You were just sort of dedicated to being a doctor and doing all of the things that doctors do. Um, and you changed that. Big, big change here. So tell us a little bit about that, about the shift that took place for you. Yeah. And by the way, everybody out there listening today, um, we're going to give a copy to everybody who calls in. We're going to, if you have questions uh, as you listen to uh, Christiane, Dr. Northrup, uh, talk about um, the, you know what's in this really really amazing book i mean you must have spent nothing but uh, all of all of your time just doing this it's really a huge complete comprehensive book really well the so thing is this, is this is shorter than all my other books so this uh this book was actually a relief it was uh, pleasurable to write pleasurable to get out there you know uh, the old saying how you do it is what you get and uh -huh. instead of of uh, being a tome uh, that is a reference book, even though it is, and it's got the studies and so on. It's really saturated with joy and with the message of joy. And wonderful stories and just easy to read. It's not, uh, your other books are much more sort of almost encyclopedias of, of women's health. That's uh, right. And, and mother-daughter relationships and so on. And, right. You know, You've been at this for a very, very long time, but this this book is just uh, oh, it's just fun to read. I'm I'm a man reading it, and I'm just having a wonderful time turning myself into a goddess. Well, but, uh... <laughs> I think that that's the thing, Wayne. When men get to about, it's interesting when men get to somewhere in their forties, the Kundalini energy naturally starts to rise, and it hits the chakras. It hits the areas that require wisdom updates, and for many men. They're moving their power center from their second and third chakra, power over, to power with. Their energy really literally moves up to their heart. And as that's happening, there can be uh, some terror. There can be uh, this desire to have an affair. Uh, but what a man's really doing is moving into his heart. So you're talking about awakening, really, the goddess energy within you, uh, that is kind of making the what we call the sacred marriage, the mm. heroes gamos within you. So then you can be more fully show up in any relationship, but starting with the one with yourself. And so the menopause for women is we see, we see the end of the physical menstrual cycle. Men have the same energy shift into needing to fuel their lives from the inside, from their souls. But with women, it shows up with the end of the menstrual cycle. And then very often for Western women, hot flashes and uh, vaginal dryness and all kinds of stuff and maybe a mm -hmm. loss of interest in sex. All of that, again, is just a shift going from alternating current to direct current. 
And when you know that, you don't get terrified. Now, having said all that, the other question you asked me was, how did I go from Dr. Frump to a goddess? Yeah, yeah, I kept thinking uh, of that, because I've, I've known you for a long time, and the last thing I would ever call you is Frumpy, but uh, you, 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 you must have had a self-image about that. Uh, and this is when you were married and raising your, your children and, and, and all of this as well, wasn't it? Yes, yes. And then, you know, the, really the wake-up call for me was uh, going through a divorce. And uh, then, as that a Libra, that does get your attention, doesn't it? Yeah. It gets your attention. It's really mm-hmm. for everybody listening who has been through a divorce. It's heart wrenching. I don't care who you are. It, it also saved my life. Was the best thing that I ever did. And and now I look back and I barely recognize the person I was. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so this was absolutely necessary. Many times the soul's wake-up calls are like that. You just wish it didn't have to go down like it does, but there's no other way. <laughs> and I had a big old fibroid the size of a you know, soccer ball in my uterus, and I knew that fibroids were from shunting your creative energy into dead-end mm. jobs or dead-end relationships. And I knew all this intellectually, but, you know, <laughs> it's the last mm. thing you want is for it to hit home. And, of course, I have to walk my talk, otherwise I just feel like I'll get struck by lightning. So, you know, you can't stay <laughs> in a jet. Like, you know, don't te- Carolyn Mace once said, the difference between whether you get sick or not is how close what you say you believe and how you actually live your life actually measure up with each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I then went through a divorce, and I thought, well, I will be, I, I just do not want to believe that my best years are, are behind me. I just, I refuse to believe this. I'm a student of Abraham Hicks, as I know you are. And yeah. I, by the way, adored your story about papayas. I will never open another papaya <laughs> and see all those seeds and without celebrating. After you told that story about the papayas right. she really in Maui, got to me. I, was, I, I, I kept trying to tell her how famous I was and that I deserved a little more respect. And she just went right after me, didn't she? She did. She did. It was, it was very bracing. But anyhow, so I decided, I, I really um, began to realize that I had to think of myself differently. And, and really, Wayne, the, the, uh, the deal is this. I wanted to become the kind of woman that the kind of man I was interested in would be interested in. I literally, so I, I became uh, a person that I always was, but, you know, sort of went underground at the age of four to save my mother. She had lost a baby when I was four, four, four or five, and I literally abandoned myself to go out and save her. And I didn't realize this till about this year, that, uh, you know, we do this in childhood. We don't even know we're doing it. And so I became an OBGYN. How many mothers and babies does one have to save before you save yourself? Right. Yeah. And even even as a woman going through medical school at that time, I mean, you must have been a tiny minority um, uh, you know, as well, opposed what to it, now. I was certainly a Yeah, now it's 50%. Uh, mm. Actually, the whole specialty is being taken over by women. Uh, but at the time, what I was told in medical school was it was the dumbest people in the class who went into OBGYN. And I remember mm. thinking, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. If, mm. if we're the ones responsible for bringing in the next generation, shouldn't, be, shouldn't that be the most honored 
specialty in medicine. And I thought, well, that just, you know, I was uh, learning all the feminist literature and all the things that one, that that the culture was going through. You know, that was, uh, that was the time of the same, by the way, Uranus-Pluto uh, stuff that's going on in the sky now was going on then. So we're at a higher vibration of this wake-up call, the women's movement, the civil rights movement, the sexual revolution, all of that stuff was going on when I came of age. And so we were just, I was asked, you know, are you going to have a baby when I was uh, applying for residency? And I said, Dr. Mitchell, I'm not even going to have a dog. You know, I will Mm. come in and I will do, I'll do the job. Because all women were suspect in any job that men had been doing. We were just, we were just suspect. So you did have to work uh, twice as hard. You, and no one knew how to be a goddess. We were all trying to be good men. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with developing the side that knows how to show up and stand up and um, be a warrior when necessary. I'm very happy that I, I developed that. And, mm. you know, it gave me a very firm foundation for the way I am now, which is, you know, knowing I can go out and fill my wood hall and stack the wood and all that, but also loving surrendering to the uh, lusciousness of tango, you know, which I'm yeah. uh, doing tonight, actually. One of my favorite partners is coming over, and he's going to grill some chicken, and then I've created a special playlist on Spotify, because I don't like to just dance to tango. I like to dance to you things. are a dancer, aren't you? I love it when you get up on stage. I went up there one time with you, remember? Oh, I'm, listen, I got that all documented in, in a... <laughs> I do, Wayne. The pictures are... And, and interestingly, in a very prescient way, the woman who photographed us and then made a book for me uh, called it um, something, Dr. Northrop Goddess. This was way before the, this book or the idea mm. for the book. But there's pictures of you, me, and Kate on the stage. You were right. quiet. That was great. <laughs> In the, the, the opening of this book, as I read the first chapter of the book, I really, really you call it goddesses are ageless. First of all, the use of the word goddess. Um, there's, you know, a big part of this audience listening right now um, are women from all over the world. Um, and they don't, uh, they don't, very often they're, they're even afraid of use of the word goddess. It's almost like a blasphemy to say such a thing. Um, and you talk about, you know, the importance of seeing yourself uh, as a piece of God rather than as, um, as something, you know, that isn't worthy of, of, of such a description. Isn't that correct? That is absolutely correct. And you know, Wayne, mm-hmm. what I have, uh, it, it took me a while to come to this because as a gynecologist, I spent 30 years cleaning up the wreckage of low self-esteem in women and the fact that one in three women will be raped or beaten on the planet. Oh, my God. Say that. uh, One in three? One in three. In America? No, on the planet, Mm -hmm. all over, the entire Mm -hmm. world collectively, which is why Eve Ensler, who wrote the Vagina Monologues and Mm -hmm. started V-Day to end violence against women, uh, actually began the whole V-Day movement. And... But let's be clear that the uh, the beating and the rape of the feminine in women is just as bad in men, but it's hidden because, you know, you guys have to go 
under the man code. You know, don't talk about it. Don't cry. Uh, you know, so we've had all of and what's happening right now, all of the stuff with the, um, the priesthood and all of it, the abuse of the soul, really, the feminine, vulnerable soul in each of us is coming up to the light. I watched the movie Whiplash because it got the Oscar. A.K. Simmons got the Oscar yeah. for that. It was possibly the most abusive thing I have ever I know. watched. I I watched so many scenes. I decided I wasn't going to watch it because I just don't like to. Uh, I don't like to fill my inner world with images that uh, that stay with me, that are not salubrious, that are not uh, you know bringing me joy and health. So I decided, and as I watched that, I, w I watched this man, um, you know, really browbeating this man, uh, this young boy who uh, was a musician, I believe, is what he was. Yes, that's he, right. That's uh, right. And yeah. I thought to myself, you know, is. Uh, is the end result of being able to be a good is, is the only way to get there to uh, to f put somebody through that kind of just horrific kind of treatment um, and you know there's a lot of that in our world isn't there? I mean a lot of that in sports and a, and a lot of that in uh, you know in, 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 in the entertainment industry and so on there's no pain no gain kind of thing is a, well that was really a, my childhood you know with a with a not not abusive in that way but a mother who really wanted all of us to be Olympic-level athletes. And uh, so every vacation was a climb up a mountain in ski boots, carrying your skis, backpacks, going out in the rain, didn't matter what it was. Um, so it really was uh, that kind of masculine buck up. This is, mm. this is, you know, what you need to carry. I remember thinking as a little girl, aren't there, aren't there families that, go to the ballet or sit around and talk at breakfast. I see that at movies, but we sure don't mm. have one of those. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I was brought up in very much in that, in that uh, no pain, no gain. And again, mm. I think each of us needs to know that we have more resources inside than we know we have. But I swear, and I agree with you, Wayne, I don't believe that we have to suffer like that in order to develop our genius. We don't. I I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I have I'm I have eight children, and I've I you know even even to this day I'll I'll have people say, well, um, don't you think it's uh, that you need to force them to do this and to you know uh, put uh, absolute standards on them that they have to come up to and. And I say, you know, I really very seldom even check their report cards. I just wanted to know if they were happy, if they were being fulfilled. And, you know, I had a young, my son, my youngest son, um, was could have been a great, great soccer player or a baseball player or anything. He just had this enormous talent. And he was left-handed, and there's very few people left-handed who... Right, that, which is a real who, secret weapon. Yeah. Yeah. And I could have taken him and turned him into like a Tiger Woods or an Andre Agassi, you know, athletes who were t from the time that they were just little boys you know, forced to go to practice and, you know, on and on and on. And I said, this isn't the, and I, I would ask him, is this something that you want to do? And uh, he would say, no, I, there's other things that I'm interested in as well. And it was all fine with me. It's like we get so connected to uh, the, 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 the result. You know, Maslow used to say to us, detachment from outcome is perhaps the highest level of consciousness that you can reach. You know, do what you do because you enjoy it, because... And so much of what your book is about, as I've been reading through it, uh, is, is, is this whole idea that it's okay for you to just do something just for the sake of, of being pleasure. 
You know, there's so much in here about sexual energy and and and, and women and uh, and so many women go through their whole life never really being fulfilled, uh, you know, sexually because they've been taught from the time that they're very little uh, little girls. This is your job is to uh, you know to fulfill your man's whatever it is and it's not um, you know you're not in it for the pleasure you, you know this is your role and so on, and you take a lot of pains to tell women. You know, if if you want to have a uh, you know the best sex life that you've ever had, these are some of the things. And the very first thing that you say on that, it's right in the middle. You have uh, eleven tips. Is put the focus on your pleasure. It's almost as if uh, you know that will help in the in in eliminating this uh, this aging process that you see so often in people. You know, I think that it does. I think mm. that it does because. Do you know that the origin of Tantra, what we call Tantra, and there's all kinds right. of screwed up ideas about it, it's actually the practice of feeling more and more from your environment and from your life with less and less stimulation. So that if you're looking at something, let's say anyone listening is maybe looking at a flower, you can see the flower as desiring you just as much as you desire the flower. And ta that's what Tantra is really about. It's fascinating to me that we live in a culture that is so sexually dead, or our bodies are so dead. You know, the pain body that um, is talked about by uh, Eckhart Tolle in The Power of Now. Mm. The pain body becomes so thickened that we need a movie and a book like Fifty Shades of Grey to feel something. Uh, it's amazing to me that it's not amazing that that was so popular. It shows you the tremendous desire that women have to be ravished, to be sought out, to be cared for. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, you can do all that without the myth of that a man is going to come along who will do all this for you, because quite frankly, men have been told the awful myth that they're the ones that have to make it happen for a woman. They've never been given the instruction manual for that, and mm -hmm. women then just end up resenting men. I've always thought Valentine's Day has got to be one of the worst days of the year <laughs> if you're if you're a man, because mm -hmm. you know the the woman learns something along the lines of. If you loved me, you would know what I want. Mm. <laughs> so it's deadly. I know you're a clinical psychologist, so you know that those kinds of conversations are deadly. So your yes. job as a woman is to figure out what you want. And when I got divorced, I didn't even know what paint colors I liked. I didn't even know. I had turned over so much to my husband, because the agreement I made was, let me look normal. I'm a woman's health doctor. There aren't many of us, but just let me look normal. Mm -hmm. And I will turn over every aspect of my life, except that when I go to work, I will just be at work, and I will be Dr. Northrop over here, and then I'll go home, and I'll be Mrs. Whoever. And, mm -hmm. and that's the deal that I made. And so I sort of split myself in two, and it wasn't until I was on Oprah the very first time, and I had the phone ringing off the hook in my office, 
And in my home, my family was just pissed off that they had to sit and watch that show with me from four to five. Because really? one wanted to play with her friends and the other wanted mm-hmm. whatever. You know, and I had yeah. created a world where I was alone. It, it, no one really wanted to be with me to be with me. I was mm. the one who made it happen for everyone else. Now, what was going on inside of you during those years, uh, Christian? I mean, um, I mean, were you feeling there's got to be more uh, and I'm just I'm not or were you actually fulfilling a dharma that you just felt was just something that was laid out for you and we you were just content with it? Boy, I love that question. In mm. retrospect, I was totally fulfilling a dharma. Mm. Totally. And I had like we all do a sort of an inkling that Someday in my life, um, you know, my husband would want to learn how to dance with me and that eventually we would get to this place when we were, you know, not doing so much with call schedules and all Mm -hmm. of that, when we would ride off into the sunset. And then I I realized that that just was some kind of a illusion. I have uh, astrologically four planets in Libra, and they all conjunct my south node. I don't know if your audience is into astrology or not. but sure what they that, are. What A lot that, of them are. Yeah, mm. what that means is um, that my lifetime after lifetime, I think, I have wanted the dream of the white picket fence and uh, that, you know, to home and family, and really that's all I need. But I have my north node uh, right on the 10th house cusp in Aries, so it's almost like my dharma has been to take women's health and go out there and be a warrior with a sword on behalf of of women. And it's it's like that part's done now. I did it. You know, I've fulfilled my karma. Now mm-hmm. it's to see how much heaven on earth I can live. Mm. Different. It's but- very different now. I... Uh, I see and, the medical system. It's all about, as you well know, it's all about uh, seeking out disease and then treating disease as it's a war mm. zone. We poison it. We burn it. We cut it out. Um, well, my goodness, you can't watch a television show at all without seeing a commercial for a pill to take for something in, in order to heal yourself or whatever it is. The answer is not within you. That's right. You know, the the answer is in some kind of a kind of a drug that you're going to have to go to a doctor for and get a prescription for, and and they're kind of trained in that in that model as well. It seems. Yeah, they really are. So it's a lovely thing for me to finally not try to fit myself in that model anymore. You know, mm. the model is bigger than I am, and if you're in that model, then there's a licensure and there's being sued and all. So I pushed it as far as one could possibly push it, I have to say. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah. What do you say to the, 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 I mean, the alarming statistics that are out there? It's like, like one out of three uh, women in this country are suffering from obesity. They expect one out of three by the year 2030, which is not that far away, to to ha- to have serious case of diabetes. There's so much sugar being consumed. Oh yeah. And you and I go around the country, I go around the world, uh, traveling, and I see so many people who are whose spines are misaligned, who are walking slow, who don't have, uh, who is just not living their life with any energy. They're, I get phone calls like this on this show, and I'm sure you do on your show as well, from people who just feel like that, that they don't have a chance to to allow that that goddess within them to to flourish and so on 
What do you say to these uh, to these people? Uh, well, I mean, I... you know that it begins. So you you go back to your life, and mm-hmm. I would say the same thing that I would I'd use you as an example, which is okay. So how is it that the soul qualities of a little boy in Detroit lead him to become? the Wayne Dyer he is. How about the guy who's the head of AT&T? I read about him on the plane coming back from L.A. yesterday. Born in Cuba, his parents, when Castro came in, they sent him over to just stay with some other Cubans who just got here. He was eight years old and just had a pocket of chiclets. That's it. Mm-hmm. And now runs AT&T. Wow. How, what are, it's soul qualities. Um, you know, it's interesting that a lot of my work is based on the seminal work of Dr. Mario Martinez, who wrote The Mind-Body mm-hmm. Code, and he has studied healthy centenarians all over the world, but he's also studied psychoneuroimmunology, what causes us to stay stuck. And I love what he said, which is that every culture that's ever been studied, every family, every country has what's called a pale, which is in, in uh, archaic language, a pale is a fence. You've heard the term beyond the pale. And the mm-hmm. fence means if you stay within these ideas uh, and this territory, we, the tribe, will accept you and we will protect you. But the minute you step out of this set of ideas, we will punish you. And the tribes punish people all around the world in the same three ways, betrayal, abandonment, and shame. So what you're really asking people to do, and I am as well, is strengthen the divine part of themselves so that it is stronger than the human part that is stopped dead in its tracks with shame, betrayal, and abandonment. Because, you know, shame is so painful because it says, um, you know, guilt says, you made a mistake. Shame says, you are a mistake. And when wow. you are that separated from your God self, your divine self, nothing is more painful. So you know how Abraham says that your inner being, the divine part of you, does not agree with you when you start putting yourself down. And you can tell how much it doesn't agree with you by how painful the emotion gets of feeling less than, of feeling, you know, all of the ageism that goes on in our culture, things like a woman of a certain age, these horrible put-downs of people. Uh, that begins so early. The ageism begins early, and it's just a cultural construct. That's all it is. It's just a belief system. And so here's what's exciting. It's possible to step out of it. The people listening to your show, the people listening to my show, we're all creating a new tribe. And I changed the tribe in my own kitchen, in my own living room. So the people who come here now are very different from in my past. Before I was trying to fit in with the, with the medical establishment and trying to fit in with uh, a lot of other doctors who just thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you know, and I would always look at the people who'd had the near-death experiences, or the guys, uh, you know, like who wrote Proof of Heaven, and mm-hmm. uh, Needham or Johnny, who you, whose story you brought to the world. Right. And mm-hmm. I would say, how can you, as a doctor, how can you, as a scientist, not look at this and want to study it? How is that possible? You're not being intellectually honest. And then they just sort of look at you because of the wounds of abandonment, betrayal, and shaming. I mean, a lot of doctors are adult children of alcoholics. Same with nurses. But doesn't this manifest in, in, in like, uh, physiological ways with disease in, in, our, in our bodies? I mean, this, this living oh, with what, you, what, what you're calling the shame? I mean, isn't, you know, like, what, what's going on with things like, the, you know, one out of three of people in America are going to have diabetes. What's going on with uh, the increase in the, in the number of, of children who are born with uh, autistic uh, spectrum uh, from where it was one in 15,000 uh, uh, oh, births? And now it's like they think one in 68. I mean, uh, Alzheimer's. Well, I frankly, they, they, okay, I'm going to tell you that I frankly, I know that it's uh, because of a couple of things. One, we are now finally understanding the enormity of the microbiome. The fact that, so think about it, Wayne, when you grew up, when I grew up, antibiotics were relatively new, so that our family doctor would line all of us up to give us a shot of penicillin. If one kid in the family had a cold, then the everyone got a shot of penicillin until we would see the guy's black car come up the driveway and we would run and hide in the barn. Um, my father, on the other hand, was into the work of Weston Price, like, you know, way back, uh, the dentist who studied all of these indigenous cultures and found that they didn't have tooth decay. They didn't have any of these degenerative diseases mm-hmm. until they started to eat the Western diet. So oh, my father cool. would have my mother make yogurt. This was before you could buy yogurt. And mm-hmm. we would take it. He'd take it to all of his patients on antibiotics. So he instinctively knew about the microbiome. Now, David Perlmutter is talking about that, has a whole new book out about it. So we've had a whole antibiotic era, anti-life, where we have, you know, they've just discovered a new article about peanut allergies in kids. All the doctors telling people, uh, you know, avoid peanuts, avoid peanuts, don't, don't expose your child, or all of this incredible idea that germs are bad, you know, that dirt is bad. We know that kids who grow up with animals have far less allergies. Well, I grew up on a farm. When we would drop a piece of food, my dad would say, let the earth pass through you, and then you will be immune to everything. Meanwhile, I had patients who came up from New York City, and they have, uh, had those anti- antiseptic wipes. They'd wipe down every surface they touched. This incredible anti-life fear. stance, fear. Mm. Then fear. we Living now have yeah, mm. 24, 29 vaccines before a kid is two. Every oh single vaccine yeah. contains mercury, formaldehyde. But if you even mention that nobody in this country has died from measles, but 100 have died from the measles vaccine, if I put anything like that on my Facebook page, the trolls come out. I just decided I, I've got to put down that sword. There are other people mm. who can take that. I've been talking about that for 30 years. So I know you. Here's what I think, Wayne. 
I think the light is getting lighter, and the dark is getting darker. We've got the seventh Pluto-Uranus square coming up on March 16th. Pluto is the lord of the underworld. It is transformational, taking us down, death and rebirth. Uranus is freedom, uh, unpredictable acts of extreme novelty. And those two squaring are like having this dynamic energy within each of us that is a birth canal that says, wake up, wake up. Wow. You know, you, I don't hold people down and, uh, you know, and have um, supersized sodas in, into them with an NG tube. They do mm, it themselves. Yeah. But you and I both know, we know that more than 50% of people have grown up in dysfunctional families. And yeah. so the, the obesity and the eating of the sugar and all of that is to, uh, it, it's a solution to the pain of what's but happened also, in childhood. But it also, if you read Anita, uh, whom I'm, you know, I've done a lot of work with now and uh, love very much, dying to be me. I mean, she says that, that all of this fear, this fear that she grew up, fear of not being good enough, the fear that I'm not, uh, you know, I'm disappointing my father. The fear of cancer, the fear, you know, her best friend dying of cancer and so on. And she, I mean, she just blatantly stands up there in front of audiences and says, it is fear that causes cancer. This is, this is her assessment of it. I love her work. I love her yeah. work because here's a woman who's had terminal cancer, metastatic cancer. End stage. At the, End yeah, stage. Uh, and then, hmm. and then, you know, when people ask her, okay, so do you go for checkups? And she just says mm. plainly, why would I? Mm. I mean, why would it? They, they just tell me I'm in remission. She said, I'm not afraid of cancer. I already had it. I already died of it. Yeah. See, I, I don't know you about told you, me, Wayne. You told me that about the PSA. You told me to stop getting that test. Stop uh, right. having that. That was, that was years ago. And yeah, so now the, I just, I don't deal with that. I say, if I've got prostate cancer, I'm going to deal with it within myself and heal it, heal myself of it. Uh, well, that than, sore uh, is going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> she said so, it again. I'm so Thor. I'm so Thor. I have to throw that in. I just thought that was so good. <laughs> We're going to try to take a couple calls. I was reading um, uh, the life and death of the of the teach of the uh, teachers of the Far East. Uh, Baird Spaulding. Have you ever read that? As a six volume. You know, volume I set? have. I have the whole set. I do. Mm. The uh, yeah. The I would. Yeah. Love to read that. I, well, I got to do it. Yeah. I just finished it. Uh, it's one of the most intriguing things that I've ever read in my life. It's about a, 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 a series of people that went back in the 1890s uh, up to the Himalayas and um, and met these just these advanced beings, these goddess people. You know, people yeah. who were yeah. living exactly what you're talking about in in goddesses never age. And one of the things I was reading volume six yesterday. That's the, the last that I've been really studying this in depth. And one of the things they say in there is that. Uh, there is no such thing as death. I mean, over and over again, there's no such thing as death. You know, that the life element inside of our bodies is deathless, it's eternal, it's divine, it, it has no form, it has no beginnings, it has no ends. We know this. We can look at this and so on. And it says that when, what we call death is really nothing more than when the body begins to vibrate at a lower uh, uh, frequency than the life element within itself, which is uh, vibrating at a divine frequency or the spiritual, the highest frequency there is, what, what happens is that it just, it just leaves that body and just moves on to another body and so on. That it itself, the life itself, element itself within us is deathless. It's beginningless, it's endless, it's deathless. 
And I think it's like almost you're you're talking here in this book as I'm as I was reading through all the different chapter titles and so on, that uh, that you're really trying to get women, particularly, but it, it's awakening me as well. I'm going to read the whole thing myself. Is that uh, that there is an, a, a deathless part of us that um, that doesn't ever 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 have to age, you know? And God, I look at this picture of you on the front of this uh, book, and I just can't believe, you know, what, what you have turned yourself around. And you're telling women out there, you just, you got to find that place within you that is that is infinite and not be afraid of it and trust in it. And, and, and you can just make about anything that we call disease go away. I, um, I think, and then sometimes, as you know, Wayne, sometimes the disease is the Dharma. The disease is something that you are designed to go through, and so you just don't identify with it. And mm -hmm. one of the things that is interesting about centenarian research that Mario Martinez has done, the healthy people, 100 or over, don't go to doctors. They just don't go. Mm -hmm. And when you ask them, you know, when's the last time you saw a doctor, and they say, my doctors have all died. Mm. Um, when I have to fill out a form, any time I go anywhere and they ask me who my doctor is, I don't have a name because I just I just don't do that. I don't go down there. Oh, really. I don't either. Oh. I don't either, mm. and that's interesting to me. Yeah, so my doctor is, you know, massage therapy regularly, acupuncture mm -hmm. at the change of seasons, foot mm. reflexology. Um, Co coffee enemas for me. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably try that. Like, and all, and you know this, Wayne. You and I. Nothing we, says morning like Folgers in your butt. I just want you to know that. Okay. <laughs> but notice how we're also very future oriented. Have you noticed? Like you're kind of looking at your next project and mm. your next book, and then you're reading Spalding stuff. And I have that right. up in my little bookcase mm. in front of my bathtub. You know, so, read it, sweetheart. Yeah, read I got to read that stuff. Yeah. Those are we are co-authoring as we speak. We're co-authoring each other's biology. You see, mm -hmm. and this the conversation itself begins the process of using using the body. Uh, Mary Baker Eddy said something about writing down one's age was uh, uh, almost a sin against the soul because mm, it tells yeah. us what it's supposed to be like at a certain age. So if we yeah, take, and, co and yeah. collectively we've done this. I mean, collectively we've just come to, and that's what the, the life and teachings of the masters uh, teaches us: is that collectively we have a consciousness that says, and we learn it from the time we're little boys and little girls, that when you get older, you're going to deteriorate, things aren't going to work as well, your memory isn't going to be as good, you're going to slow down, you're going to have arthritis, and you're going to get wrinkled, and you're going to, and, and then you're going to die. And that's like a collective consciousness. And the masters of the Far East say, that's just an, a total a falsehood. It's a total illusion that everybody has bought into, and the life element within each and every one of us has nothing to do with any of that. It's completely age and beginningless and endless. That's right. So, That's let me right, just read you know, one little thing, yes. and then we're okay, going to Diane. If you got a, have you got calls in there? Have you got? You oh a yeah, calls we have a whole Thanks. board. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> so this is what I want to say about this book, and this is a book I just want to tell everyone that I'm, you know, each one of my daughters is going to receive as a gift from me, uh, from Hay House and my wife and and all of the women that I know. Uh, I I want them to read it. It is so readable and so so beautiful. You've done. Just an amazing job with this book. It's a, it's like something you just want to carry around, and, and it can, because it looks so beautiful. Anyway, Thank this is you. what it says on the very back. I want, and then we're going to try to take a couple of calls. Okay. It says, "Remember this. 
You have the power to be an ageless goddess and to be a living, breathing embodiment of joyful, ageless living, no matter what has gone before. As the saying goes, what you are seeking is also seeking you. So who do you really want to be? Who would you be if your age weren't a factor? Ask yourself these questions every morning and then live them throughout your day. Make that ageless goddess within you feel at home. Bless her, please her, welcome her. Little by little, she will show up more and more until one day soon, you will look in the mirror and you will see a whole new woman smiling back at you. This is your new chapter, your new life. The best is yet to come, I promise. If you would like to hear more of Dr. Dyer's radio show, tune in to HayHouseRadio.com. To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit HayHouse.com. Thank you for listening.